Alright, uh, all right, here we go. You guys ready? Yep. Hello, everyone. Once again, we are here. It's Totally Local Podcast, talking about entrepreneurs and wonderful businesses up and down the Jersey Shore, Monmouth and Ocean County area. Leo, my co-host, sipping, sipping his water. Hello. Hello. How's it going? Happy post-Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, you made it. I you did look, make it. You look good today. I just shaved. Okay, that's what it is. It you was look like all cleaned up. two weeks of me, you know, looking like a monster. So, yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, this week, we have a special guest. We have a special day that we're doing this on because he's a busy man, TJ. Pingator. You're from, actually probably the first to get that right in a long time. Uh, Upstart Garden is your business. It is. Amongst other things. I think uh, Leo got a little uh, little hint as to the uh, personality. That is TJ. Um, very um, engaging, inquisitive, interested, and all that stuff. <laughs> I was just going to say, I can't hear you over the really <laughs> long theme song. I love that theme song. We're not supposed to talk about this. You guys got a good little jingle. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, if you want to do the headphones so you can hear it, you don't really have to because you, you know how to you know how to do this stuff. Sure, I'll, I'll throw these on. Right. It's all part of the part, of the, part show. of the show. Right. Part of the thing. I do a podcast myself, so there you go. What's the name of your podcast? The Student Success Podcast. We're on iTunes, Spotify, our Heart. I Stitcher. mean, that's that's. Uh, let's just jump right into it. you. You are. When I first met you. Uh, I believe I met you uh, at a uh, Scout Guide Two Rivers event out of Nemo Tile in Red Bank. Um, when I first met you, you're just very uh, positive. You're all about the innovation, and it's somehow tied into it's it's kind of like this show. Love we we love this area. You love this area. You love Red Bank. I was just thinking it as you were saying it. I'm like, what? Well, it starts with loving where we live you know uh -huh. it's a big part of it and uh you've you've kind of you've kind of taken that love and uh you know your 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 passion for innovation you kind of combine the two and you do a lot of you know you you do uh it's bigger than networking events but you do networking events and they're kind of a based around um your company upstart garden right and uh you also do uh something with uh what we were just talking about your podcast it's, it's based around ki getting kids ready for the real world the two passions are really, you know, helping young people with what college doesn't teach. Five and a half years, one, you know, one hundred twenty-three thousand dollars of my own money. I'm all in on that. Mm -hmm. um, and and you know, about six months ago, really came to the realization that this whole future of work thing uh, really hits on two different scenarios, and they're both of my passions. Which, you know, the second is building community mm -hmm. and building entrepreneur and innovation within our state, but even beyond that, um, just based on how we. I think perceive what innovation is and how I, I realized the last couple of years how I've started to realize what innovation is mm -hmm. um, even at a deeper level. Mm -hmm. And how, as far as, you know, innovation is concerned, what, because <laughs> whenever I talk to TJ, wherever I see him talking to somebody, he'll sit down and, he, and he's, he's just honest and earnest about it, but he's going to sit down. Yes. <laughs> He's going to tell you what Sometimes you're doing right. <laughs> he's going to tell you what you're doing right. He's going to tell you what you're doing wrong. And he's going to see how he can, like, work with you on... Uh, and why. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> if not, you don't agree with me, that is probably... Yeah. <laughs> and just walk away. That's exactly. it. Just walk away. Have a beer and we're out. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, an, it's an interesting kind of um, process or a way or a perspective on looking at things because it's not necessarily about what the business is doing per se. It's kind of... What's the business doing? Are you local? And how could we innovate with you? You kind of like to collaborate with people. I do. I do. I think, you know, building community first in anything that you do is the most important thing, especially if you really believe in what you're doing and you have that conviction. Mm -hmm. I think conviction is a word that maybe passion gets thrown around a lot, but I think conviction is, is a, to me, is how I define passion, right? You really have to understand and believe in what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And my grandfather used to say at best, he's you know, an old, Irish Catholic Democrat that voted for Reagan. My family wanted to kill him. <laughs> uh, but he's he was somebody that said, you know, it's success or coffin. Mm -hmm. And it was a little direct. Talk yeah. about direct, right? Jesus. But it's you're either leaning towards success or you're leaning toward coffin. Your only variable is time. Oh, my God. Meaning, like, if you're really convicted on something, you're mm -hmm. going to do it. Yeah. Right? And it's not like a rah-rah speech. It's more like if you really do believe in it, then just then go through the trials and errors, go through the bumps and bumbles. And at the end of the day, when I realized – at the end, you know, really what my two passions were, it's building community through being entrepreneurial first and being an entrepreneur and, and creating businesses that are that are startups, not tech, mm -hmm. right? So non-tech and tech, 88% yeah. of the businesses, close to, 
close to the businesses in New Jersey are small business based and they're startups, some of them, right? And a lot of them aren't tech. So like focusing on both non-tech and tech for me was important. And the second was putting that together with young people and helping young people figure figure everything out for the real world way earlier. Mm-hmm. So uh, you, you do these, uh, I went to, I've been to two of the networking events so far. The first one was at uh, Red Tank Brewing. Brewing, yep. Brewing. And, um, you know, that in and of itself, it's kind of interesting because, you know, obviously they're they're innovators. They're people that are kind of entrepreneurial. They're doing their own business. They're a startup. They're entrepreneurs. Yeah. And then the second one was at Triumph, both places located in Red Bank. And, and they're kind of, you know, on a, you know, they're on a larger scale, but they're still local. They're still, you know, that, that building is amazing where they're in right now. It's very cool. And the people that you have at these things, they're not, like you were saying, there's some... You know, it's there's some coders, there's marketers, there's people, but then there's these people that have these businesses that are just like, wow, like you're really kind of going for it. It's not it's not just a bunch of marketers or a bunch of real estate agents and people throwing business cards around. It's people with these great ideas, and you know, just getting to interact with that. What, how did you, you know, what's your background? How did you get started in kind of bringing it? How did you, where did you get started, and how did you bring it back to Red Bank? Born in Red Bank. Oh, right um, Born and raised uh, until I was 14. And I went to the school systems were like having a challenge at the time. So my parents were like, you know what? We're going to get you over to Holy Cross and Rumson. So I went nine years Catholic grammar school. Oh, yeah, 13 years. L- last run of the nuns uh-huh. um, that oh, I yeah. had. Sister you know. Vicky, epic shout, Sister Geraldine. <laughs> yeah, Sister Carmelisa. Lord, <laughs> Lord rest her soul. We had She's a Sister awesome. Carmelisa and, as well. Yep. Um, she went to Holy Cross to LLPH. Oh, uh, that's where I went, LLPH. Yeah, yeah. She unfortunately passed away. Oh, she, she's amazing. She yep. used to hit me with it. She had the rope, oh, yeah. and I'd always try she to give go you a little. The... she give you the, the, the um, awareness <laughs> yeah, play. Yeah, they didn't beat exactly. you with it, right? They didn't beat you <laughs> no. in our generation. No, they just they did three ago, but you, know. you let you know that you're you're acting up. And I think, <laughs> we, you know, if you went to Catholic school, you know, you, everyone probably that went needed it a little bit. A right? little bit. I, a little, some more than others. The discipline did me good. Uh-huh. Um, so, I, you know, I did that, and I, I, you know, I was pretty active in basketball, baseball, and soccer most of my young years. Um, our neighborhood was a true neighborhood growing up in Red Bank. It was... East Bergen Place, Red ba- uh, East Bergen Place, South Street. I think it was um, Brown Place. You had um, um, uh, what do you call it? Let me see. Pinckney Road was behind us, and then you had like Broad Street and I think Branch Avenue. Mm-hmm. That was kind of like our little, you know, our little neighborhood. Yeah. And you know, for me, it started with community. Right? I was selling lemonade on the corner. <laughs> um, I was told my parents would always say, you know, if you wanted something outside your birthday, Christmas, and maybe Easter. You had to get it yourself, figure it out. Mm-hmm. So if I wanted a pair of $120 Nike sneakers for basketball camp, I'd have to figure out a way to sell my dad's shampoo door-to-door uh, mm-hmm. that he had extra inventory of, mm-hmm. add a little bit of a markup up for some sympathy, and uh, you know, get ready for that, that, uh, wow. that camp that I was going to. So lemonade stands, selling shampoo, realizing we're a four-season region. So I had cutting grass, and I had shoveling snow, and they were the same customer so you're just, all at nine. <laughs> wow, you just hit the ground running, huh? Early. Wow. Yeah. It started early. <laughs> <laughs> Your website is uh, upstartgarden.com. <clears throat> it is. Yeah. And um, can you talk a little bit about your building process and your three phases and where you see this ending up? What is the end result here? Uh, that's a great question, Leo. So, you know, initially, um, and I, I started quickly before to talk about kind of the two passions and how they came together. Five months ago, I had, it's probably actually six months ago now, I had two college presidents both say to me, one, we co-host an event at uh, a university with another um, tech launch group, and then um, we did a, uh, a seminar session at one of our colleges here as well. And I only keep them private because the, the conversation was private. So, But for two schools, two presidents both said, you know, TJ, if you could take what college doesn't teach through student success you, high school to college, college to career, and looking at those different things that you're talking about with students, strategies, approaches, tactics, how to really get set up for the real world and put it together with Upstart Garden and entrepreneurship and communities and building out this this idea of um, creating businesses but also creating income for yourself and being entrepreneurial. If you can have a side hustle and a dual income today as a young person when you graduate, that's how you survive today because college, we know the debt is ridiculous. So the point is it rang really true to me and I said, damn, you know, I've got to figure out a way to combine these two businesses. And this is like the turmoil of an entrepreneur is like you sometimes go through this loop, right, where you, you're too close to it. And you're like, wow, I need to step back and I need to look at everything. So what I did is I stepped back quick and I said, okay, I've already invested a lot of my own money in this. What do I do with the brands? How do I handle it? 
And the three-phase model for Upstart Garden basically sits around, number one, we wanted to be a community first, right? And we keep the lights on as a consultancy. So like I talked to Andrew about and, and a lot of the entrepreneurs, we try to help businesses not only accelerate, but put together strategies they can execute with the resources that they have and make sure that they're held accountable for it. That's the key. 50% of why businesses will pay us is to hold them accountable, literally sit in front of them and make them do it. I know that sounds crazy, but no, you'd be shocked at the execution and what the ROI is on the execution. Not to sound like I'm selling, but I always am. Um, <laughs> you are, though. I mean, you really, you if you believe in what you do, you have to be sincere about it's expensive to run your own business. It's stressful. Your health gets affected. You better have a return on investment to the time you're putting together these two brands. And I can't say more than that yet, but that's the reality of this is that we don't have to be relying on a physical space. We can go out to North America and we can take our brand, you know, to North America. So um, it has to start local and I want it to start in, in Red Bank area. Um, it's my hometown and I've been a little bit stubborn with it. Um, I'm realizing that I have a little bit more work to do. And as we're raising capital now, it's a whole new experience. Um, it's exciting, but it's also, um, it's a big learning curve. You're constantly changing, innovating, pivoting, doing all these things to make your model, your business, your pitch, um, be able to go to that next level. Damn. <laughs> I'm in. Where do I sign up? Yeah. Um, I haven't slept. I don't even think I had coffee today. How messed up is that? <laughs> yeah, I had to, I had to grab, grab something on the way I'm over looking here. at you. You're sitting back like, I'm just oh, like, huh, wow. yeah, this is yeah, good like, stuff. Well, that's, I'm sorry. It's just I get, I get caught up in it. You, I you even know. actually have, I forgot, I even, I was not intentional. Oh, boom. Um, I was in Westfield today, and I, I happened to just throw this on, and I got halfway up. I'm like, oh, I got that podcast today. And I'm like, ah. Perfect, perfect. perfect. Yeah. What, uh, I also have like five of these, so my chance of wearing it is probably in a month is like 25%. <laughs> um, so how, you know, you you, 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 re you meet these businesses, they're, they're coming to these network events. Um, how do you kind of maintain these relationships? Because I know it's kind of difficult, like you're meeting all these people. How do you stay connected? I use a CRM. Okay, all right, I cool. use a customer relationship management tool that helps me um, understand how I can help the businesses first. If you notice, and you've been to two right now, yeah. right? So the reason we started picking the breweries, one, I love trading craft beer. I, I love beer. So um, I've, I've limited my intake. Yeah. <laughs> you have to as you get older. But um, I definitely, you know, the, the Vermont, Maine, New Hampshire scene has been awesome mm -hmm. for me. I go up there oh, as cool. frequent as I can go. Um, and I snowboard too. So it kind of like it all hit. But I realized a lot of entrepreneurs in the beer scene, yeah. like in the craft beer world. And you know, I started to say to myself, let's pick venues that are cool, that are fun, that bring out, like you said earlier, something random. Mm -hmm. Like, not what you right, would expect. No. And this is the whole build community. Mm -hmm. I wanted to take a pulse of New Jersey because there are so many people in the woodwork. Yeah. And there's nothing bringing people together in terms of, like, let's get into these venues where it's just tech or it's just this. And there, people say, oh, hyper-focused target. I get it, but you know what? Like we're losing. Well, yeah, the focus. All of the spread of who's actually out there that are innovators. The way that I look at it too is that when people say hyper focused, I look at it as yes, we're going to focus on this area. That's the focus is like geo focus, like mm. here because this is where things are happening. And you know, Leo, uh, we we do these. Uh, <laughs> I should say Leo does these coastline tours where he 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 takes the uh, you know he takes the train and he'll go up and down visiting these you know towns that are on the uh elberon coming up to you yeah. in the week. <laughs> there's one there's one business at elberon that yeah. one's gonna be a very i should be able to do that one in about 20 minutes yeah. um it's so, funny you have those small towns or like oh, really yeah, tiny yeah. There's little nothing there. what are the five like lock arbor oh yeah they're all like Ar elberon you take one step to the left you're in one you take yeah. one step to the right you're in two more like it's it's they're they're weird. They're not very big, but yeah, they're on the coastline. Murray Hill, like yeah, there's random like. So Leo did Red Bank, and uh, you know, obviously, there's so much to love in Red Bank, but it's it's a very interesting town because it's like why, even though it's interesting, there's a lot of finance there, there's a lot of businesses, um, there's a lot of storefronts, um, there's not a lot of parking, but you know. What do you think, you know, what's what's going to be that bridge? Is it going to be Upstart Garden coming in there? And what's going to be that bridge to bring them kind of more innovation? You know what I mean? Like, there's so much potential. I, st I feel that there's there. Ironically, there's so much, like, mu there's so much that should be there, but there's not. Like, where's that disconnect? I like your questions you ask. You last ask them with meat, as I would say. <laughs> Thank well you, said. Um, I say. host a <laughs> podcast, too. I, I always listen, you know, the other side. Great, great scenario. So... 
I think the best way to start is at the top, innovation, right? We think about, I call it the Kleenex effect. There's a lot of tissue companies, but Kleenex seems to be, you think it's the only tissue, right? Mm -hmm. And when you say innovation, people go right to tech. Or if you say, I'm a startup, they think you're a tech startup. Mm -hmm. Or if you're an entrepreneur, right, they think that, like, okay, you're an entrepreneur with a startup, oh, you're in tech. No, there's like 88% or 90% of the businesses here that start up are not in tech, right? So, like, when I look at innovation and I look at brick and mortar, or I look at a mobile business like a food business or a mobile trainer that comes into your house and trains you or any any type of business where you have either a solopreneur, graypreneur, you know, gray entrepreneur, um, where they don't have an office, but they, they're, you know, they move around a lot. Um, I think you have to look at the key of it. And I think it's our, one of our big, big um, talking points is tech enablement. Mm -hmm. And some business owners get scared by this, right? Because one, when you say like, if you say technology or innovation in the Red Bank area, and I grew up here, so I can say this, right? Mm -hmm. I, I know. People kind of look at you like, yeah. well, wait a minute. You know, we're finance, restaurant, retail, law, and a little health maybe. Yeah. And that's what we do, right? And that's – but innovation, it's like – innovation is about creative thinking, design thinking. It's about building something, changing something, making something better. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be tech. So tech enablement to me was that great bridge of tech, non-tech, and then tech enablement sitting in the middle. Those brick and mortars that you're talking about in Elberon and – Lock Arbor and those areas, mm -hmm. they are forced to think about how they're going to keep their doors open. And when I see boutiques in certain towns closing their doors because they didn't innovate with Shopify or e-commerce, they can't drop ship, they're so reliant on foot traffic. Yeah. And if the town has stipulations on their curb appeal and the way their storefront looks, and you know they make these, these um, kind of like they pigeonhole them a bit, they're very limited to what they can do to market their business. If you're a food business and you have great food, Standing out on the corner on Thursday or Friday, right out on that, you know, right out in front of your shop, giving out samples, your best advertising is the quality of your food. Like, that's innovation, right? That may be the stupidest, simplest idea, but a lot aren't doing it, yeah, right? Yeah, they don't so, even, it's so obvious that they're not. And then like, when you get somebody's email, how do you put them into this really cool, like, somewhat personal experience of a newsletter, mm -hmm. right? That's fun, that has a video, you know, captured into it. But innovation to make your business branded operate you know if you only have three people on your staff you're going to have to figure out a way to automate social media right hootsuite great way to do that like there's a lot of platforms and solutions and apps and widgets that to me are tech enablement and i think the more that business owners learn about them mm -hmm. and they don't have to understand tech or enablement but they have to understand how it makes their business better right and how they can be more efficient um we so I, that was the most recent talk we did was about business efficiency and social media in 2019 and like boomerang for Google, mm -hmm. right? I'm but using that now because like, of TJ. It's a little follow-up tool. It's yeah. so, so easy. So you ask me how do I keep track of all the people that I meet, I keep track through CRM mm -hmm. and through boomerang. And that's the only way I would be able to survive, like knowing where you and I last left off our conversation. Yeah. I have little notes that will say, like, you know, this is what we talked about. Um, but it's hard. It's hard running a small business today. And if you're not efficient and you don't have some kind of, you know, an enablement using tech solutions to help you, um, it can be really, really challenging. And, you know, quality of life is important. So the more you automate, the better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you say that you are consulting with businesses of different varieties. Hmm. So they're all, all over, over the map. So what would – and you, you just listed a couple. But how are you – what are the, the, the principles that you are um, trying to – let the businesses know to like work on like what are the what are the philosophies that you put out there well the number them? one thing is whether you work with us or not we give a shit okay. i have to just say that flat out like we, we actually care right and there's somebody that can help them if it's not us so i always preface it with listen whether a fit we're not a fit here's your nda first right yeah. you can tell me whatever you want because we know new jersey's a little bit uh we're the garden state but we're also the guarded state yeah. <laughs> nobody wants to you know let down their guard or right away first sometimes when you meet certain people right i mean that that's probably that way anywhere but um i always joke about our, our own home state um i think the biggest thing is is when you think about each for you right what your really skill set wise where your skill set is and andrew where your skill set lies you think about what you're first what you're good at and you think about how that lines up with the gaps of their business right where they may have some gaps and you don't get that until you uncover um if I'm really doing a little bit of your background and homework on the business, the industry, and figuring out what, you know, being a true consultant, right, and understanding yeah, yeah, yeah. where are they at and where aren't they and what's their current, you know, status. I always ask if you could double revenue tomorrow, 
Would it be adding more people, or would it be being more efficient with what you have? So you're actually, first what we're going to do is we're going to find out about how you're running your business them. and what you're doing. <laughs> and, Assess, yeah. and then you figure out where their weak points are and what they could do to make that better. That's, yeah. that's it's, it's a big part is like you do, right? When you travel, you you do a lot of training and you right. do a lot of work in the recruiting space. Right. Um, you're dealing with a one-man show in a company, maybe three-team, or they're looking to outsource, but they don't know how to do that, and they want to make sure the person they're outsourcing to is doing their job. So, like, you get to know them, right, a bit. Right. That's kind of similar to what we think about and what we do. I know there's a checklist, and I know pretty much with about a 75% likelihood what they're going to need from us. And I know that always one of those, say, six things is sitting with them, working with them in person, not saying I'm going to work remote and work help your business. I want them to see me working with them. And that's a big part of it because then I've hired consultants before, and sometimes you don't know if – Three hours is three hours. It may be they can get something done in an hour and a half, and they're billing you out for three hours. Right. That's the trust I wanted to create with them right away, and I do that up front, usually in person, and we do that a lot. We also have a lot of specialists in the community, so people that do video production, people that code, people that specialize in WordPress, people that um, can accelerate a business would be the best way to say it, help a business grow. And most don't have a business plan. So one of those eight, one of those six things is usually – uh, reformulating the business plan and then figuring out the marketing channel that they need to be in, how much it's going to cost them what the value of one of their customers is. And I get excited about this. I'm going to tell you 30 seconds if I can su summarize this up. The most valuable thing that you can get as a small business owner is knowing the lifetime value of one of your customers. And there's two scenarios. There's where if you're on a reoccurring scenario, right, and then if you're on a one-off scenario. So if you're brick and mortar and you just have people that come in and buy as good customers, or you have a service that you offer, or something like that, you know what Mrs. Jones is worth versus Mr. Smith, or you know, and you start to see how your business lines out, right? And the products and services, and maybe if it is packaging, education, or consultancy, whatever it is that you offer, what is that worth for the lifetime, and how much does it cost to get one of them, right? And we see it on Shark Tank all the time. They ask you, what are your acquisition costs? Fifty percent of them can't answer it. Mm -hmm. They know they're going to get asked it, but they still can't answer it, even though they're going on live TV. Mm -hmm. Like they can't figure that out, right? So, knowing what your lifetime value is and your and your your customer acquisition cost as a business owner today is absolutely paramount, because then you can justify doing a marketing campaign or doing a storytelling campaign of your brand and let it run for three months and start to see what you generate from it. You build. I know you do some of these things for brands. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's powerful when you can make a business owner or a founder think about the most important thing in their business, which is their customers, and make sure that, you know, they're able to create the right strategy to do that. It's hard, though, to, you know, in my experience, and I'm sure you could somewhat identify with this, it's, it's hard to these, in some ways, to a business, especially a brick and mortar that's been around for, you know, a couple decades, that the, they, they don't see the tangible value you know, when you're when you're marketing or building that story out, how, how how do you bring it to them in a way where it's like a tangible value that they can like you're talking to some like baby boomer boomer and and you're talking to them about like, you know, either pay per click or just, you know, using social media on, the, on a real basic level. Like, how do you bring that tangibility so that like that that idea gets kind of implanted in their head so they understand it? It's not just, you know, some kind of intangible thing how do you how do you bring it to them well the hub is revenue mm -hmm. right your hub is your revenue and your time is variable there's 168 hours in a week mm -hmm. i say that i sleep maybe i try to get at least seven hours a night sleep um my wife's very supportive <laughs> <laughs> but when i figure that out 49 minus you know 48 minus let's say 168 is 120 i have 128 120 hours left what's my time worth per hour so your return on time rot I use that too. Like I figure out like, you know, when I'm dealing with a client, I try to say, okay, is it better that I just give them all the ideas, let them execute themselves? Is it better I work with them together? Um, and we as a community will work with them and align the right, you know, the right specialist to help their business. Or should we just roll a think tank for eight hours and say, we're going to take your business from soup to nuts, top left of the whiteboard, bottom right of the whiteboard, you know, in eight hours and your entire business is going to be remapped out. We do that too. We've done twenty six of them. Mm -hmm. So like, it's really it's really about. Um, I think it's really about each business is its own, and the willingness of the founder comes a lot into play. I so, think that's the that's a big part of it from a time perspective. 
it's figuring out, it's really figuring out how much time am I willing to dedicate to my own business? And if I, me as a consultant or us as the consultancy, do we want to be able to dedicate to the business or do they, can they be helped? So you've walked away before you've been like, you're 50% not percent of the time. I got to go. And with, I, I can't imagine 50% you, of the time. I can't imagine you sugarcoat. I could see you just being like, listen, Tony, I'm out of here. Like, well, no, you, I mean, I laugh <laughs> about being direct, but I have more, I have so much empathy for an entrepreneur, a founder, even a re- like anybody, like anybody, you open a coffee business or you own a restaurant or you, there's stresses, right? There, there's stresses to these things. And when you have a, a, a business and you open another business and you have dual income, right? I'll give you an example. Um, a, like Red Tank Brewing, right? John runs a business and he has his own business. And he's running a business that operates basically, well, it's open a little more now, but I know most breweries are open like four days a week, right? So you have a, a different kind of schedule scenario. But it's a lot of work. And, you know, when you look at Whitechapel projects that opened up, um, we did an event there. We've done Red Tank. We've done Triumph. A while back, we did Beach House. We've done like 30 events. I didn't realize it. We've actually done four breweries already. Um, we got two more we want to do too, and we're hoping to do them um, at our two big local breweries as well coming up. But it's it's really it's really about like being able to get um, it's really about being able to get a sense of of the time it's going to take to do it and the willingness it's going to take and sitting there a lot of times, like I said, and executing on some of the tough things that need to get done. And once the founder entrepreneur sees that there's there's um, not only value, but there's there's actually a return on it. They want to map out their whole business. They want to restructure everything. And it's the business owners that don't change or that just want to stay flat. And believe me, there's a lot of them. I ask a lot of times the question, I had two questions. One, if you had a million dollars in 10 minutes to decide what you would do with it, it's a Google question. You can, while giving to charity is great, what would you do with it? And if somebody can't answer me within 30 seconds, they either just don't know what they want or they're involved in what they really like or they it's not something they're totally passionate about like that would come to you almost right away right and then the other thing is if you're a business owner like what is your willingness to put in to change your business time-wise like can you get more customers do you want more customers that's the real question and you may say well of course they want more customers do you know that I've probably had 40% tell me no we actually either can't take on more customers or we don't want any more revenue we're good where we're at. Jaw-dropping for me. That was a year ago. It was like, I think it was like 8 out of 20 that I asked that to. And what, what do you, I mean, when you hear like we're good, like what Can't work th- with them. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Okie dokie, gotcha, thanks. Like, out the door. Like, it's it's more, it's like if you reached out to us, you want you want to grow your business. And, and that's important to you, right? And it's, for me, I look at it like, yeah, we're helping businesses grow, but we're also, it's all about, it really is about our community and really about our state, is that we have so many businesses here that don't have exposure to tech enablement mm-hmm. and don't have exposure to, you know, uh, while tech and non-tech both, they don't always cross over. And I believe they should, because I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of good conversation that happens when you can mix those audiences. Okay. So a lot of what you do is about um, putting people putting people together, maybe hosting networking events? Right now it is, yes. So what advice would you give to someone who's going into their first networking event so that they can get the most out of that experience? Know who's going to be there ahead of time. A lot of these technology forums give you who's attending. Don't be afraid to click on who's attending. Look, Read a little bit about them if it's on LinkedIn or Facebook or Meetup or Instagram. Um, I always used to say you have the ability today to look at somebody on Instagram unless their name or handle is a little bit different or, you know, the way they have it structured or set up. Um, find them on LinkedIn. See what their real background looks like. And if you want to meet them and talk to them, do it. You know, I think the biggest misconception is, like, oh, I'm 35 years old. I, you know, I, I'll go to an event and I'm going to do what I've always done. Like, if you're, if you're open-minded and whether you're 18, 19, 21 or you're in college or you're, you're 35 and you're looking to change careers, it pays to know about people before you meet them. You know, it, it helps. It definitely helps, and I think it's it's a little bit of a lost, a little bit of a lost art. Mm-hmm. Do you have any networking events coming up? Um, I know that you just had one. You mentioned in Whitechapel. Oh yeah, I don't have the date in front of me. Uh, Shame on me, but that's that's real life, right? Yeah. That's what you get. <laughs> um, what I would say is, um, yeah, shameless plug. I mean, I love anybody listening right now, and um, lo- even Leo, you too. Like, if you're not a member of our meetup on Upstart, uh, we have an Upstart Garden meetup on Meetup, and we also have our Facebook page. Um, that were there and upstartgarden.com. Um, it's actually pretty cool. I want to, there's an upstart garden mat. 
it's a guard map that lays over your garden. Uh-huh. And I actually found it like maybe like six months ago, and I realized like there's another like there's a t- it's a product it's a specific product very different than obviously what we do mm-hmm. but i was thinking like just innovation i was thinking about like oh it'd be great to collaborate with them <laughs> and do something like help your business grow and then we have like each little you know plant you plant is a different part of your business mm-hmm. stupid right but this like is what but, he does all day this is all day like it's, <laughs> it's how do things connect he's right? driving around in his car he's like i could i could build this car better yeah. this, this steering wheel's a little off i could i told andrew i said we're gonna triple your revenue <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it was you know when i when i first started talking to you um you know it was you know it, it was a it was a it was refreshing and i'm so friggin' burnt out on what i what i do uh, especially, you know, right before I met you, it was really serendipitous because I was talking to you and you kind of reinvigorated or, or helped me kind of find that perspective that I, I started doing my business with. Um, but, you know, I just was so burnt out and I was like, dude, I don't even know. Yep. I don't even know what I'm like. I don't even know what the hell I'm like spinning around. I have no idea what, what I'm burns doing. you out the most. I know um, you're the interviewer, but I'm curious. I, mean, <laughs> I think everybody like, what well, is it the mundane? Is it the routine? Is, uh, it, is it people are sometimes a you know, pain in the butt sometimes? I think, I think it's just kind of, I think it's maybe lack of focus or, you know, tr- trying to work with people and then not having, uh, not having clear, not having them have clear goals or maybe on my end not having clear goals exactly what, what I need to do in order to help them. Like, I'm doing these things that, uh, you know, I, I'm just kind of going through the motions at this point. Like, people see my business and they're just like, oh, well, you build websites. And I just want to be like, yeah, I build websites. Like, that's, you know, it's something that it was funny at one of the networking events where TJ was like, websites are dead. And I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> but, I mean, it's, well, it's such Because a... people's attention spans have gone down the hill, so you... But, I mean, you brought up a good point. It's like, you know, I think, I think websites are great as a business card to have somewhere to land where people can find the information. But it's not really, you know, figuring out or going to several meetings to figure out what shade of blue you want on your website. I just want to, like speak up in these meetings and be like it does that's not where you're going to make your money let's go on to these it's the strategy yeah the strategy the marketing the stuff you're talking about before now I, I don't like the word marketing but it's the best word i could think of to talk about how to get somebody's brand or business and you know put it out there in a, yeah. in a better way um you know so i mean i think that that's kind of what you know i think it's just the lack of focus on my end and not having some kind of clear cut like here here you go this is what this is what you should do this is what i'm selling and this is how much it costs like that you know a lot of the stuff i do is kind of just a la carte or custom and it's just like you know just i feel like i'm spinning my there's wheels, also a I lot guess. you can't control yeah right if we forget about that a lot of distressing you know like there's things that happen that come up that just like you know a person gets fired or a new person comes in or you know random things happen during working with a client that you don't yeah. even expect and now you're like oh I'm forced to like think about. It. Plus, sometimes the brain's just tired. Yeah, you know, sometimes working with people is, you know, it definitely can be draining sometimes, mm-hmm. especially when people tell you one thing, and they don't always deliver what they said that they were going to, right? Or at least deliver close enough to where we can keep momentum and, and keep going. Mm-hmm. It's always, you know, that that can be a challenge of the business for sure. Yeah, and just knowing kind of what you were saying before, I think I spent a lot of this year just being like. You know, basically not wanting to work with certain people and being friendly about it or being professional about it. And it comes down to a point that some people, you know, they don't need. There's big companies that need a lot of help. They can't manage their own stuff. And then there's smaller businesses. You know, there's a therapist I was working with and she was just like, look, I'm putting my site on Squarespace. And I'm like, you know, the old me would have been like, oh, you you know, you're, you're breaking up with me. How dare you? But I realized, I'm like, you don't need, you know, you're, you're, you're flying out of the nest. Fly, little bird. Fly away. Sometimes we you outgrow know? clients, and clients can outgrow us, too. I've had startups get really big where I, I know I can't, I can't deliver because I've got accountability to seven, eight, ten other, mm-hmm. you know, entrepreneurs or businesses and startups. So it's like, just be, I think being honest, you have to be honest kind of with them, with yourself. And it can, it can be, it's a pain in the butt, especially when expectations sometimes change a lot. And I mean, the biggest thing that you told me so blunt was just like, yeah, you're not charging enough. And I think maybe that's part of it, too, is I'm doing so much work and then the returns are so low and it's it's the value in there. Maybe I'm not. Well, it's packaging. You have to like, you know, you deliver a great service and you do like you do great work. So it's like, you know, it's about it's about that first affordable hook and get someone in and get them to trust you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can deliver, but they don't know you can deliver, but, you know, you can. So it's like. 
you're gonna you're gonna create a scenario where it's a pathway, and you're gonna walk them walk with them, mm-hmm. and sit with them, and and let them see that you're involved and invested in their business. And you can only work with so many people at a time. Yeah, I think that's what it is now too. Is like Leo's I kinda... thinking something over here. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm thinking a, enough a, about a dollar him. for your thoughts. You've helped him. You've given him advice. <laughs> I need some advice. I'm a student with debt, and I know that you have worked on a pod on a podcast, um, student student success podcast. You're second to not most recent episode but the one before that is about harsh student realities what can you tell me about some of the things i should have looked forward to or or known about before i graduated from seton hall two quick questions (laughs) what you were interested in in high school and college versus what you majored in 10 seconds tell me what you what were you interested in and what did that correlate to the first major you chose producing musicals (laughs) and astrophysics but it brought a creative side out of you. You yeah. enjoyed something about it enough that you went and took the leap, right? There's an intangible there. Yeah. There's there's something there that you did it. You were great, probably great. You were great. Seemed, seemed to be great with people from yeah. what I gathered cool. you in the short time we met. Um, <laughs> you seemed to care. I get that. I'm a body language person, by the way, too. I took courses, and I could tell. You care. You're, in, you're invested in what you do. Um, but what you choose as a field of interest, the, the harsh reality of today is that if you don't know what you want to, if you don't, if you, as a young person, if you know what you don't want to do first, it's way more powerful than picking something out of a hat because you're interested in something around it. Because knowing the job titles at the end, you can look them up on LinkedIn, you can see all the people doing one year out of college, what that job title is in a certain field. Two examples would be history and psychology, right? History, you enjoy history. I enjoy history. I like reading about it. I also enjoy a little bit about science, too. I'm not picking a career on it. I'm not picking a field on it. Should I use the C word? I shouldn't use that. Career is a bad word to us because we say careers when you look back 20 years. What young people today are picking are life chapters, right? And that's how we think about it. Um, so I, I'll find myself five bucks and I'll donate to something for saying that. Uh, I do that. So I think harsh reality is today is that um, one discovery I had a lot with parents was when we interviewed about 170 different parents over two years, what we got out of it was just focus on your grades. We got you. It's you know way more valuable to us to have you get a scholarship than it is say to make ten bucks an hour in in um, in high school. And they noticed their kids were overwhelmed and stressed. And this is the most stressed generation in history because of things like online bullying and school shootings real time, as opposed to when we were younger, the book was closed the next day and you didn't have to live that live experience. So parents are seeing it, and their kids are seeing them stressed out. And Gen Z, who's this twenty-two to seven-year-old today is not working nearly as much in high school. The problem with that, and it's a bit crippling for them, is they don't know that they don't want to be, and this is not knocking cashiers or a certain job, they don't know They don't know what it's like to really not want to do something and never want to ever go back to that and light that fire, right, to get them moving and going and, and starting to figure out the next, say, year or two years of their life. So they pick a field because they're interested in the topic, but they don't actually know about it. So one of the realities today that every student really has to do is go out and meet people doing some of those job titles before you actually jump into the field. It's called informational interviewing. That's kind of one main thing we feel like every student has to do is figure out what those job titles are and are they going to be around in a couple years. And the people that usually know that are the ones that are in those fields and those industries. But getting somebody up to doing that and teaching them how to feel confident and mindset and purpose and some of those things is is all part of it. Student debt. Right, so <laughs> let's let's talk about. <laughs> to me, the only one of the only products that actually stayed the same price but got cheaper is like a Nike sneaker. They were 120 bucks in 1986, and they're $122 today. Problem is they've cheapened a lot of it, right? Well, college education, it's when I paid it. One of the things I don't talk a lot about, I self-funded my own education. My grandmother helped me 8,890 bucks. She matched what I saved um, April one to September one of 1995 when I when she said you're I'll help you your first semester you sure you want to go to a private school that's $29,000 a year I said I definitely want to get out of the area you know and explore so I did and she helped me and that was it I was on my own but I had to figure out okay what's my debt going to look like right at the end of the day and it was $47,000 which today I believe with equate with Inflation isn't too, too bad. It's, it's probably in around the 65 range. A lot of these kids today are 85 plus, right, Jeez. in debt. Um, 130 in debt, 170 in debt. I mean, I've seen it. 
Um, a lot of things I believe that I've read, and, uh, and I'm not, trust me, I'm not the person you want to be listening to about this specifically, but my opinion of it is that um, campuses have to innovate. They have to keep up with technology. They have to renovate. They have a lot of expenses and overhead that they have to pay. They have increasing salaries and professors. And so, like, when I look at a campus's bottom line, and I've seen a few of them, I look at my alma mater and I look at 500 students down in enrollment. That cost them $80 million. They put $110 million into their renovation. When their competitive school is giving money out, they can't give money out because they have to pay back a huge, you know, and schools have endowments of things. But student debt, the reality of it is they have today, they have options, right? They can take a gap year and work if they've never worked in high school. Um, there's programs the government needs to put in place. And one of those programs is a work gap year, where basically if they work, all the money that they earn can go to prepay the first year of community college. The first year of community college, if they elect to work, they can prepay their second year of community college. Again, it's time management, right? So they got that in the gap year, and they can start to go because, again, not a lot of them are working. So we want to bring this platform to potentially somebody in our state and say, is this feasible? First question I'm going to ask is tell me everything wrong with it because then we'll come back and we'll fix it again, right? Being a problem solver is probably my core. But, <laughs> but if you're a second-year student and you want to prepay your first year at university, keep working in the program and let that money get deferred and goes into a fund into the university first year. And carry this on because you can always prepay your ahead. To us, it's the way that you can actually work down your debt. Um, a gap year and two community college years will chop into the difference between a four-year debt, which I had and maybe you have, um, and I don't know if you, you have debt. Um, no, I'm good now. So, like, there's, you know, it's, I just paid, I mean, I'm, I'm 42. I paid it off at, I was done at 36 and a half, I think. But it took a while. It took 15 years to get it paid off. So I have empathy. Yeah. <laughs> Harsh reality is, is know what you're getting yourself into financially. Um, I don't think guidance counselors today in high schools in large majority are going through those numbers. I know they're focused on behavior and, and, you know, they've got, they've got a tough gig with online bullying and these behavioral issues mm -hmm. that young people are having. So, but I do think high schools need to pay more attention to, if they can, the financial ramifications of, you know, of that harsh reality. Yeah. I've had, you know, I went to, uh, I went to modern day high school and I had friends that were like, no, I'm not going to college. And back, you know, back when I was a senior, you know, everyone was like, you, you got to, you have to do that. And they're like, I don't want to. And they were so <laughs> mad at my friend that didn't want to do this. You know, he, he went in and learned a trade. He, he, he's, you know, he's an electrician. He learned a trade and he's doing well and he doesn't have that debt. He didn't want to go through the whole process. Like, you know, what I tell people is like, if you don't know what you want to do, you know, you probably shouldn't go to, you probably shouldn't go. If you want to go have fun and you have the money to it and you want to go party, yeah, go do it. But if you don't know what you want to do, don't do it. It's a huge waste of time and money. Right. And you know? maybe maybe try to get them thinking sophomore year high school, junior year high school, right? Like you start to tr try to think more in depth sooner because if you don't know come senior year, you're kind of in a wedge period. It's mm -hmm. hard to, you know, I just remember like writing, you know, those letters out um, and getting all that work done and doing it all and filling out all those forms. It was a lot of work. But no one ever said to me like, you know, okay, you're going to, you know, you want to get into business. Now what? And I'm like, well, I, I'm going to figure out what part of business to be in. It's a big industry. Yeah. And I technically, I mean, I took my, I did, I took my own advice. I, I eliminated finance and accounting because I met a fi financial person and an accountant <laughs> and a couple extra. And I was like, I know those two of six I don't want to do. I had mm -hmm. marketing, advertising, international business, and I think economics left. And I in eliminated economics, and then I kind of looked at international. I was like, maybe later, but I'm not sure. So I kind of went into my middle bucket, and then I had marketing and advertising, and I'm like, yeah. That's what I want to start with. And it kind of was like, again, it was eliminating. Like it was going through a little bit of a process, not just picking out of a hat because it's expensive. And if you don't know what you want to do, I 100% agree with you. I think like your friend that went into the trade, he may have known he didn't want to sit in a classroom. Yeah. He may knows that his attention span may be a little bit shorter. He may know some underlying you know, things that um, he's never going to want to work for a company and he's never going to want to work for someone. So those are four top-level considerations that I feel like if you know that, you can jump into a trade. Mm -hmm. Whereas his friends have different considerations for themselves. So they have different views on like why college is going to be good for them. I think for most students today that are pretty device-driven, I think if you think about 
the aspect of going to college while it's expensive, you learn time management, you learn, you know, social skills, you learn a lot of interaction things and, oh, yeah. you know, building out, um, you know, your network and contacts. And there's definitely a high value today, I still say, unless you're going to be a computer programmer, yeah. unless you're going to be a programmer, coder, the companies will sponsor you and they will train you to do and work with them. That happened to my friend too. Another and you don't you know. need an, I mean, you don't necessarily need or have to go unless you're going to work for somebody that requires a degree in computer programming, yeah. you know, that's different. But at the end of the day, I mean, I think knowing that is like you said, is huge. Yeah. More, more of the stuff I learned that I use now was learned in college, but it was more learned from the people I was meeting and the community I was in than actually sitting in the classroom. So you really have to know what you're, uh, you know, what you're getting into. Um, if people want to get in touch with you about, you know, uh, you know, getting ready for college or they have kids getting ready for college or they're an entrepreneur uh, what's the best way to get get a hold of you? We're thinking about hosting a statewide boot camp. We haven't made and pulled the trigger yet um, mm -hmm. on that decision um, for that. But um, best way to get a hold of me is um, TJ at upstartgarden.com. Cool. Um, they can also um, they can call me uh, 732-996-6575. Um, you know my number's not secret. They can <laughs> they can find it. Um, give me a couple days, you know, to get back to you or text me. Um, just say you heard it from here, but it's, uh, yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's, a, it's about, I look at the future of work for entrepreneurs and, and obviously in these spaces and collaborating. And I also look at the future of work for this young person that, you know, today our future leader, um, and getting them really what, you know, college isn't going to teach them. Those are the two big things. Well, I, I want to thank you for coming in. It's awesome. I'm really TJ, glad. Upstart Garden. This has been so great. We have one more thing we have to go over if you have a few more minutes. I'm in. All right, cool. Well, let me just see. Uh, let me just see. Oh, what? What's that? What's happening? What's that noise? Leo, I think it's that time again. Mm. They're you on to us. Where we live <laughs> one slice at a time, and the oh. pizza you eat is the pizza you live by. The brave must rise up, travel to find the finest cheese, the crispiest crust, and the most magnificent sauce. Pizza, pizza quest. This is great. Leo. Oh, well, I guess it's pizza quest time. Where, where did does you... that Does that uh, introduction mean it's time to talk about some pizza slices? It, it is. That's great. <laughs> I eat a lot of pizza, so I like to talk about it. Uh, this time, I was in Little Silver, New Jersey. You are familiar with Little Silver. I grew up Red Bank 14 years, and I lived in Little Silver for 20. Why? Why? Where would you go for a good slice of pizza? In specifically Little Silver. Little Silver. So it's a great, it's a great question because I I haven't had um, I haven't had pizza in Little Silver in a while. I usually do get uh, Luigi's Square Pie. Okay. So yes, I do yeah. know that uh, Gianni's. I've had Gianna's, Gianni's. Um, I've had a couple times too. I had the pleasure. <laughs> the absolute pleasure okay. of visiting both of those places today. From what I heard rumor, you visit a few. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Word on the street is you're literally canvassing. Oh, I smell like pizza. Oh, yes, yes, it is a lot of pizza. Um, so I today did get to check out Gianni's, um, and I know them. Hello, guys. <laughs> you know them? Yeah, I, I do. Um, we share a gym. Oh, oh <laughs> there we go. Oh, okay. They have um, a few locations. But they do they? have a few locations, they do. right? Yeah. So the uh, Gianni's is great. Really, it's in what I feel is is, is the heart of the town. Um, my obviously my favorite restaurants um, are, are in that area. So I I really did enjoy them. Great pizza. I also went to Luigi's. Luigi's is like a place where I would just go, you know, grab a sandwich. Um, the guys are great, though. Everyone's nice. But mm -hmm. I did not choose Luigi's. Oh. This is like, this This is amazing. You've been blowing minds all day with this. Do you have a well-done rule? Like, do you ever taste the plain and then the well-done? Because I have a couple I places. I call them well-done X. Like, yeah. I'm not going to mention the names of the businesses, but <laughs> their whole business model changes. If you get their wings well-done, their pizza well-done, it just tastes better. I do mm. tend to go well. Like, say, if I'm going to I've been cooking order... 20 years. I paid my way through college selling yeah. knives, by the way. Knives? Cutco, yeah. I self-funded self -funded <laughs> my own education five years. Wow. 150 grand. So I had to learn Aim how to cook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. But, but um, I asked the well-done thing because I joke about it. No, I do. Uh, when I order a large pie... I say I would prefer that well done. You do get, okay. I do get that well done. Sweet. Um, and so there's a third pizza place in town that oh. many people do not know about. Oh. 
And that name, that place is called Palumbo. Palumbo Pizza. And um, I'm gonna give them the nod this time. This is this. They're the champions of Little. I have not heard of them. They are the champions of Little. I I will tell you what. I was able to get to Gianni's very quickly. I was able to get to Luigi's Luigi's, without a map. I had to like go in circles to find this place. Is it by the train? It's right across from the train. So it's not like you can't. Oh, is that Danny's? Old Danny's Pizza. Back in the day, I worked there. There was a Danny's. Then yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. It's like right across. Dance Studios. Yep. Yep. That's cool. Okay. Got it. So. Um, they had a really, they had a really solid slice of pizza, and I will, I will give them the nod today. And you know how I know, I get all three, and then I keep nibbling and keep nibbling. And which one do I keep going back to? Like, oh, you know, and then I just notice <laughs> that it's almost gone. That that must be the winner. So yeah, I'll give it to to Palumbo's, and we will, um, you know, That's knock little silver. little silver off the. So I've, now I've done Shoreline Coastline Tour. Mm-hmm. I've done Pizza Quest Little Silver. And there's one thing I have to go back with. I have to do the how to carve a cow. How to carve a cow? <laughs> what? Oh. Yeah. Um, they're going to do a cow carving thing in Little Silver. Oh, oh at, um, what's that place? Gray's? Gray's, yeah. 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 Okay. So Gray's yeah. is going to host uh, a car. So they invited, there, yeah. they invited me to go back. Uh, but I've, I've really much, uh, very much enjoyed Little Silver. Yeah, and uh, next week we're going to get into your, you finally, you know, the coastline tour, you, you, you we went to the track. We, we bet on the ponies. We, we, we tasted some food out of a, out of uh, some food trucks. Many food trucks. Um, but we'll, we'll hit up, uh, we'll talk all about MDW uh, next next week. Um, and uh, I think I think that's it. I think I think uh, I think that's show. Thanks so much, TJ. Uh, as always, thank you, thank you, Leo. Um, people out there, thanks for listening. This has been totally local podcast. Uh, and until next time, uh, thank you, a shared universe podcast <laughs> studio, and Ming, and our guest TJ again, and Leo, and everyone else that's out there. Um, have a great week, people, and stay in touch. Uh, on Instagram, totally underscore local underscore podcast. And for all things Totally Local Podcast, just go to the website, totallylocalpodcast.com. Totally Local Podcast. Totally Local Podcast. Totally Local Podcast. (laughs) That's right. Oh, man.